أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي لا يبلغ مدحته القائلون ولا يحصي نعماؤه العادون ولا يؤدي حقه المستحدون الذي لا يضركه بعد الحمم ولا يناله غوص الفطن ثم الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين حبيب قلوبنا والطبيب نفوسنا والشفيع ذنوبنا سيدنا ومولانا أبي القاسم محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم وأحل البيته الطيبين الطاحرين المعصومين المظلومين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين صاحب العص والزمان خليفة الرحمن إمام الانس والجان ولعن الله وعداهم أجمعين إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فقد قال الله وقوله الحق بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الحدى والفرقان صدق الله العلي العظيم اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم Last night I had a introductory discussion on the importance of the month of Ramadan. And that was a one-and-done speech to kind of get the ball rolling and introduce the month. And now we've gone through our first fast, and the first day is over now. May Allah accept that fast. It's on the verge of being over, at least. And, um, you know, uh, the first one's always the hardest, right? So, inshallah, you guys got through it. But I wanted to begin today to kind of set the ground for the next two weeks that I'm with you and this very unique topic. A little bit of background, and initially in this, you know, in this first discussion on the topic, I have to set some, some of some of a base. So, you know, just bear with me as I go through a couple of technical discussions, and then we'll get to the actual story itself. Maybe today, if not for sure, tomorrow. Uh, you know, one thing I did last year for the first time now. In, in fact, you know, last year before the month of Ramadan, uh, month of Ramadan was that I wanted to know a little bit more about the prophets. And um, only because I, I, I kept seeing everywhere I went, guys. Literally, you know, sometimes there's advices that it, it seems like it follows you, right? There's an Instagram post about that advice. There's a, twi- there's a tweet out there. Someone mentioned it in a speech. All of a sudden, it, it seems like that advice was following you. So I felt like the one advice that kept following me was, you know, learn about those before you. Study the lives of those in the past. Uh, I don't know, learn from, 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 from uh, you know, seek advice from the ones who are older than you, who are, you know, and so, you know, that not only for me meant, you know, my elders and my, you know, my parents and my grandparents, but also kind of meant to go all the way back to the prophets and the imams. Now, the imams, alhamdulillah, we know a lot about, all, just because that's how, you know, that's how we are in terms of the Shia culture. What we know a little bit less about are the prophets, besides the holy prophet of Islam. I would argue even him we don't know enough about, khair. So I, I, I took it upon myself last year as, as just like a personal journey to get to know a little bit more about the Prophet. So I start to read, it, I start to read up on Prophet Musa because his story to me is fascinating. And he is, like I mentioned in last year's uh, uh, series of lectures, he is the single most mentioned Prophet in the Quran. Okay? I think 900 plus verses on him and him alone. Um, so there was something about him and his story that intrigued God himself. Right? So I go, you know what, let's Let's start there. 
So I read and I read and I read and I, I was just blown away by, you know, the story, his experience, the humanness of him. And so I thought, you know what, if, if, if I'm this intrigued, if I'm this inspired, I have to share this with, with everybody else. So last year, I know many of you now, uh, you know, you had, you, had, you had reached out to me. Um, you know, I, I took it upon myself to spend the first two weeks last year with the New Jersey community to speak about the lessons of Nabi Musa salam. It was personally for me one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, just my prep, my, my, my you know, I, I, if I can use this word, I enjoyed delivering that lecture series. I learned quite a bit. I actually applied quite a bit in my life. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to make this a little bit of a custom every single year. Choose a prophet that maybe everyone doesn't know that much about, but for sure is a Qurani prophet. And let's see what lessons we can extract from their life, bit by bit now, to go ahead and you know, just live a better, a, a, a better life. In this day and age, when there is so much bombardment of, of a certain mindset, a certain ideology, you know, individualism and consumerism and, you know, all these isms being thrown on our Instagram feeds, on our Twitter feeds. I thought it'd be a good idea if just one more avenue, one more tool that we can use by the study of the prophets to understand a little bit of what God wants from us and a little bit about our own capacity. So this year I chose Prophet Suleiman salam. I found it, him to be an incredible story. Now, the difference between him and Nabi Musa is that there's a lot of content in the Quran about Nabi Musa and there's an entire story from his birth to his childhood to him leaving Egypt to him coming back to him being a prophet right so easily now I could have went on for the entire month last year for 30 days um, even even those of you who follow me from 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 his birth until the death of Pharaoh was 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 what I got through in the first two weeks. There was still a whole half uh, of his life that I simply just wasn't able to uh, address. Nabi Suleiman's story is not like that. He's only mentioned seventeen times in the Quran. Okay, um, however, those seventeen times. The, 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 the things that we know very well, the things that we may not know a, a lot about, his interactions with animals, his discussions with, with, with queens, his, you know, they are fascinating. And, you know, last year, Nabi Musa series was more of a narration of a story. This year was, would be more about extracting lessons from the story. Okay? Now, first of all, what I have to mention to all of you is, you know, why? why? Why are there so many stories in the Qur'an? And, and let's understand this for a moment tonight. And then, and, you know, and then begin the discussion on Nabi Suleiman. Like I said, either tonight or inshallah tomorrow. I promise that I, I, I would not go over half an hour. Inshallah, you know, that I'm going to keep that promise uh, for, the, for the remainder of my lectures. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's most beloved name, the ulama say, beloved name, is Rab. Okay? Ra and Ba, Rab. If you look at the very first time that he introduces himself to the Holy Prophet through the verses of the Quran, in the first five verses of Surah Alaq, 
He uses the term Rabb, Ikra, Bismi Rabbikalavi Khalaq. Read in the name of the Lord that created you. Right. Rabb itself, sometimes you know in our du'as it's translated as Lord, right? Rububiya is lordship. Doesn't capture what it means. I've had classes and discussions on this idea of what does Rabb mean? Why is Rabb so in you know it's it's just so uh, uh, compassionate, so loving, because built into the word Rabb, there's a number of different things that Allah does. Meaning, what you know, what He does from His Rabb is He is our Murabbi. A Murabbi is one who gives tarbiyat, who who nurtures. A parent for us as kids, they are our Murabbi, and the and 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 the, and, and the Quran refers to them as a Rabb. Right? right? Have mercy on them as they had mercy on me when I was younger, right? Referring to them as the one who gives tarbiyat, right? Inside the word of Rabb for Allah, there is murshid, there's mun'im, there's murabbi, there's all sorts of beautiful words, right? What it basically entails is that this is that portion, that dimension of Allah, that He uses every tool He can. To give us all the tools to grow. Think about all of you as parents out there. It doesn't matter if you're parents to older kids or young kids. You're a grandparent yourself, it doesn't matter. If we can summarize what parents do, essentially parents do their best to surround their kids with all the tools to grow, to flourish, to be the best version of themselves. Right? The, re the rest is, of course, up to the child to use those tools. I always say this in, in, in every parenting course or any parent that you know calls me and says, look, what do I do, what do I do? And there has to come a time where as a parent, you are responsible for giving them all the tools and then you just leave them. And you pray to God that, look, I gave them all they need to know to become a good person. The rest is up to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is no different. He wants to see the insan flourish. He's obsessed with our success. The believer will be successful. Right? This whole idea of him now telling the angels, He says, look, I'm going to create a, 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 a khalifa, a vice chairman on this earth. On this earth, I'm going to create a khalifa. The angels were confused. Wait a second now. You're a metaphysical, perfect, unlimited being. This insan that you're going to send down to earth is a limited, temporary, materialistic being that, oh, by the way, loves to shed blood, loves to cause corruption and tyranny. So how are you going to have this existence now represent you? <clears throat> and in that response now, God actually doesn't even respond to them. He says, I know about this insan, which you don't know. And, you know, there has been pages and pages of tafsir done on what does this jawab and, and answer by Allah mean. Alama says in his al-mizan that look, this was a non-answer, a silent answer. Basically telling the angels, this is beyond your understanding. There is a dimension, a potential dimension inside this human being that you cannot fathom. You're limited in your capacity because that's how I created you. But this insan now, you might see bloodshed, corruption, and fitna. I see the capability and the potential, I'll keep saying that word, to be my vicegerent, to represent me on earth. Okay? And what Allah does now, to summarize our purpose in life, is that He places everything in front of us 
to help us actualize that potential. Got to understand that, okay? So the sending of prophets, for example, the sending of the imams, our parents, your ulama, the Qur'an, our own conscience, our own reason, our own aql, good friends and good spouse, all those are various tools where Allah now, as a murabbin now, as the one who's giving tarbiyat now, is using that to hopefully now this insan makes the right choice. We've shown you the path, God says in the Quran. We've shown you the we've, we've introduced it to the best of the best. We've shown you what the good people did and what and what they didn't do. It's up to you now. You can either accept that by being thankful, you can hide it and cover it and choose another path. Totally up to you. You have that free will. But don't tell me I didn't show you what to do. Okay? Don't tell me I didn't show you what to do. I did. And one of the ways that he did is through the Quran. This is the month of the Quran, right? This is the revelation of the Quran. Inna anzannahu fi laylatil qadr. Okay? And part of that Quran, part of the strategy of God now to kind of guide mankind was through stories, guys. The Quran has 200 plus stories. It's not a storybook. It's not a, bo- it's not a book of fiction. It's a book of guidance. It it is a a book of guidance for the pious ones. God uses stories and parables and examples and metaphors and imagery to get a point across. We can't be stuck on the imagery and the metaphor. We have to be a little bit insightful and look deep inside behind what God is trying to tell me through this metaphor. The metaphor is for us, right? Like a speaker to an audience, sometimes to get the point across, you know, he may include little stories or anecdotes from his personal life. I do it all the time. And I find that in my feedback is, it's those stories, those examples, those metaphors that really drive the point home. God, of course, being you know, all wise, he knew this way before anyone else did. So he uses stories, sometimes of infallible prophets, sometimes of mothers like the mother of Musa, sometimes young people like the people of, 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 of the cave, sometimes animals like the elephants. Whatever the case may be. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hold back at, at all costs. He uses every tool possible to actualize that potential, to bridge the gap between what the angel saw in the human being and what he sees in us. Okay? As now an intro. Okay? And that's why, you know, he even addresses this idea of the um, um, of, of, of these stories. You know, and by the way, you know, if this Quran was a storybook, there would be complete stories everywhere. Okay, even in the story of Nabi Musa Alislam from last year's Ramadan series, there wasn't one place where, from start to finish, that this uh, story was. For those who were with me during that lecture series, you knew that I was—I had you jumping around the Quran everywhere, from Surah Taha to Surah Anbiya to Surah Baqarah to everything. It's not about a fictional story. It's not about a story from start to finish. It's about, you know what, this amount of the story is, is important. The only one complete story in the Quran is that of Nabi Yusuf. The entire chapter is from start to finish, from his dream to the, to the, to, to, to the eventual reuniting of his father and, uh, and him. That's the only way where chronologically now there's a story there. 
Otherwise, everything else, from the Prophet of Allah to Prophet Yunus to Prophet Isa to Prophet, and to Prophet Suleiman, there's bits and pieces everywhere. Now, what we'll do is, I'm going to ask you to follow along with me in, in these lectures. So, when you come and sit down and listen to a lecture on whatever device you're listening to, have a Quran ready for me, have your app ready on your, on your Quran app, whatever you use, and let's make this a little bit of an interactive discussion. I know, I'm right now sitting in an empty basement, staring at a camera, I wish I was in front of you. Let's do our best, let me at least feel your presence. Allah has a beautiful explanation of these stories. And I want to speak a little bit about why the stories in the Quran. Surah Yusuf, verse number 111, is, is a very beautiful verse. Surah Yusuf, verse number 111. Okay? If you can, if you can get there with me, that would be great. He says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصَيْهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ لِلْأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ Beautiful way to start. He says, certainly a moral in their accounts for those who possess, certainly there is, sorry, a moral. There's a, there is an ibrat, there is a lesson to be learned for those before us, the stories before us, فِقَصَسِهِمْ, their stories, for who? لِلْأُولِلْ albab, For the people of the intellect. The people who really want to delve deep into something. Lub or lubab is the, the, the kernel of the kernel. It's called lub. Okay? The, the people who are called ulil albab are people who penetrate deep into the meaning of something or deep into their own hearts. Right? Allah says, these stories that we're telling you are not meant for your fiction or for your entertainment. They're, they're meant for who? Lil ulil albab. To be people of intellect, to be sound reason. Right? And then he says, look, ma kana hadithun yuftara. These are not... You know, fabricated stories, the Quran says. It's not one fabricated discourse. Walakin tasdiqa. In fact, it is what? It is um it is it is truth. Right? It's a confirmation of what really revealed before it. Right? Um It's you know, they say tafsili in Urdu. It's it, it's an elaboration, it's a complete thing of what happened before that. Right? And all of it is what? Wahudan. This is meant to be, look at the word he uses, guidance and a mercy. And a mercy. These stories are meant to be merciful towards. How is it mercy? How is a story being merciful? Let's get to that tonight. Two reasons that we can extract from this lesson. I don't want this to be an entertaining discussion for all of you. There are some in incredible moments in the life of Nabi Suleiman. Um, incredible conversations that he overhears with animals that I'm going to elaborate on. But they're not meant for my enjoyment. When I say I enjoyed last year's uh, experience, it wasn't because, oh, this is fun. It's because I learned so much. And I, it, just, it just set a different worldview for me. It changed my lens, guys. That's what I want for this year as well with all of you in New York. I want it to be, you know, Something that is um, uh, that is life changing. Okay, uh, so the first thing the, uh, now, now why stories? There's two reasons I want to mention, just in in interest of time. Okay, um, the the first thing I want to mention to all of you is that you know, um, is that retelling the stories of the Quran brings about a sense of istiqamat. What is istiqamat? 
The Quran talks about this in Surah Fusrat, I believe. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَلَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةَ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزُنُوا وَأَبْشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُعَدُونَ Beautiful verse, very famous one. Allah says, for the ones who say, قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهُ Who say that our Lord is Allah, our Rabb is Allah. Again, that word Rabb. Our Rabb is Allah. ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا They do what's referred to as, you know, in Farsi, as مَقَابِمَتْس Okay? Meaning what? They resist. They don't bend, they don't break, they don't uh, apologize, um, you know, they're not sorry for their belief, they're firm in their path, they're certain in their path, right? They don't have this ahsasik kamtari, as you say in Urdu, this, 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 you know, this inferiority complex. No. No matter how much people make them feel like, they're, you know, you are always them, they always feel like, you know what, I'm strong in my belief. For people like that, تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Angels will descend onto them. Angels will descend onto them. With three pieces of news. Allah تَخَافُوا Don't be afraid. وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا Don't grieve. وَأَبْشُرُوا بِجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُعَدُونَ And take the basharat and the good news of heaven. In a climate right now that we're living in, there's a lot of grief, a lot of fear. We're not sure what's happening right now in the hereafter. To be able to experience this with the angels is refreshing news. Right? But it comes with two conditions. It's not only verbalizing La ilaha illallah. It's not only, you know, Qalu Rabbun Allah. It's also Thummastaqamu. Bending yourself so someone else can accept you as a Muslim. Bending yourself so someone else can sit there and maybe, just maybe, they may, they may talk to me. Right? And there are some people that, you know, no matter what you do, they'll never accept you as them. God says, stay firm. You know, the example given in the hadith is that of a mountain. The winds can howl, the trees can shake, even the ground sometimes may even tremble a little bit, but usually the mountain stays where it is. It doesn't go anywhere. Right? By, by retelling some of these amazing stories of the prophets of what they went through, who they faced, an ultimate victory of theirs brings us a, a, a sense of revolution, a sense of resistance against our own selves. Guys, forget anybody else. I'm talking internally. The thoughts of, I don't know, you know, this and that, all that. You, you, you look at, for example, you know, Prophet Nu and his people. The adab is coming, the boat is ready, the same boat that he spent centuries building, that people would laugh at him. This guy's building a boat in the desert, man. What's wrong with him? Or Nabi Musa salam. Ten years outside of Egypt, under the guidance of Nabi Shu'aib, comes back to Egypt, now a prophet of God, and confronts Fir'aun, has this showdown of showdowns in front of the entirety of Egypt, conquers the magicians of Fir'aun, eventually now, of course, brings him to his knees. Okay? And this was a prophet that was scared, guys. Flat out, when he came back into Egypt, and on, as, as you know from last year, on his way back into Egypt, he was made a prophet. With that burning shrub at the side of the mountain, he was made a prophet. He's entering the prophet, now God says, oh, you're my prophet, now go talk to Fir'aun. He goes, oh, talk to Fir'aun, I need some help. I can't go by myself. It's scary to go there. So Allah says, you have Harun, you have your brother Aaron, go ahead. Ultimately, victory was his. 
what the what 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 his people did with him, Bani Israel. That's different. But his battle against one of the most ruthless tyrants of in history, known as Pharaoh, to the point where the Pharaoh or or, or Pharaoh is is not only a name; it's actual. You know, it's a strategy. The Prophet of Allah's victory. Starting off in Mecca. Ridiculed. Character assassination. Tortured. Banished. Placed sanctions on. Thrown feces at. What didn't happen to the Prophet? And, and the one who would orchestrate that was Abu Sufyan, his staunch enemy. He might risk to Medina. Spend seven, eight years now, now, you know, fortifying his, his, his movement. And then he finally conquers Mecca. Conquers Mecca. Walks into Mecca, you know, conquering Mecca. The first thing he announces is that Abu Sufyan, you and your family are safe. You're free. You have immunity. No one's going to touch you. That's victory. So when, when we recall the stories of those before us, it brings about a sense of resistance. I can do this. I'm up, I, I'm up against a, a, a brutal enemy inside of me. You know, my nafs and my desire and my anger and my habits and my triggers and my all of those things are just, you know, eating away at me. Like, there are some people who are scared when the month of Ramadan comes about. Can you imagine? They have this fear, guys. Everyone, everyone else is sending all of these, mashallah, amazing Ramadan Kareem um, uh, messages, if I get one more, I swear to God. But, uh, you know, so many, so many. Decorations, decor, mom, mom, oh my God, so, you know, it's excitement. And here you are scared of the month of Ramadan. You have this pit in your stomach. Not because, and on top of that, you feel guilty, right? Like, how could I be afraid of God's biggest blessing? Like, one of the biggest blessings of Allah is this month of Ramadan. There's a pit in my stomach. Why? It's not, it's not the blessing of God. We're scared of what kind of person will become while fasting. I swear to God. We're scared of what I might, I might, I might unveil about myself. <laughs> those, those numbing devices are no longer there, right? I can't binge watch, I can't binge eat in the daytime. You understand that fear is okay when you look at the fear of Nabi Musa. You look at the anxiety of the Holy Prophet. Allah is telling you, telling you, telling the Prophet, go and reveal on Ghadir what's been revealed to you. Ya ayyuhan nabi balligh ma unzil ilayka min rabbik. It's already been revealed to you. Go and tell the people now of the successorship of, of, of Amir al-Mu'mineen. He says, I will, no problem, but I have fear. And God says, don't worry, I'll protect you from the people. The fact that God has to remind him that I'll protect you means there was anxiety and stress in the Holy Prophet. Nabi Yunus in the darkness of the whale now. Fanada fi dholamatan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntum in adhalimeen. In the darkness of the whale for 40 days some say. Crying now, bleeding now, coming to the realization that it was me who made the mistake, it wasn't you God. When these stories are told in the Quran, you have, you have a sense of, wait a second, if they can have stress and anxiety, if they can have fear, if they can sit in darkness, so can I. And if the outcome of each and every one of them was positive, so can mine. Now, if you can sit there and you know, say, well, Malana, with all due respect, they were infallible prophets of God. Okay, you can minimize it like that. 
Or you can say, you know what? It's kind of refreshing to know that I'm not the only one that expresses my fear to God. Because sometimes I think we're afraid to express emotions to God. I really do. I think we're afraid that I feel guilty, God. I feel fearful, God. I feel anxiety, God. Because, you know, that to us, maybe it's our way of complaining to God. And we don't want to complain to God, right? Otherwise, he might cut off, cut off his, his, his blessings. And I mentioned last night, we have to use worship as an outlet. It's got to be an outlet. And the only way it's effective as an outlet is if we empty ourselves onto God. Make it a point to complain to God. Don't complain to others. You know, tell God about your pitiful state. Don't sit there and boohoo to others. It's not, it's not, it's not very, it's, I mean, after a while, people avoid you. You know, whenever he's, whenever, you know, whenever they see you, just, you're always complaining and crying and, you know, you look miserable and, you know, nothing is ever good enough and a lot of sighing and, you know, after a while, no one wants to be around that. So save that for God. Save that for the Knights of Qadr. Save that for, for after Salat. Save that for a moment where you're soft-hearted and you just kind of re reach out to God and you converse with God. When's the last time we conversed with God? The first lesson in understanding the stories of the, of, of the Qur'an is that it brings about a sense of revolution, a little bit of hope, resistance. I can do this. I don't need to give in to my inner shaitan every single time. Yes, it's a matter of being uncomfortable, fearful, stressful, and anxious. That's fine. But if they could do it, so could I. If they felt it, I don't feel so bad feeling it. The second one is lessons. Lessons, lessons, lessons. Ibrat, as you say in Urdu and Farsi. There are immense lessons. Allah says, you know, فَصِيرٌ فِي الْعَوْذِ فَانْذِرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَقِبَةُ الْمُكَذِّبِينَ Travel the earth, uh, the Quran says. Walk the land. Look, look, fandru, open your eyes, man. Look at the aqibah, look at the ultimate destiny of those who have denied Allah. Who thought that, you know what, I conquered the world. I got my, I got my shoe contract, I got my max deal in sports, I got my $20 million, you know, uh, a celebrity movie. I did it all only to end up face down, OD'd in your hotel room. Only to end up now committing suicide with your own belts. Allah says, learn from these lessons. Imam Ali to his son Imam Mushtaba in his will says, learn the lives of those before you. Study them. He says, by Allah, I studied them to the point where I walked through their ruins. I learned from their mistakes. I repeated their victories. In, in, in the process, I avoided multiple mistakes. A lot of us now, we feel the need, especially my millennials, I love you millennials, I love you. Sometimes the ego is there that you think you're the only one that's gone through your problem. Baba, there's been people who have gone through what you've already gone through. Trust me. History and this world has a funny way of repeating itself. The exact thing that is making, that, that's drowning you right now, that you're sinking in your quicksand, you know, 15 people before you have already gone through it. It's a matter of you reaching out saying, what do I do here? How do I fix my addiction to music? How do I make sure that I choose the right spouse? How do I make sure that I kick this habit of, I don't know, of getting high, let's say, for example, all these things. What do I do? But if we understood that, you know what, let's talk to those who before us, then maybe we'll be able to learn a lesson from that. And not keep, mistake, keep making mistakes that you could have avoided had you just asked for advice. 
You know, one of the beautiful signs of the leadership of Rasulullah was that he not only asked for advice, but he actually applied his advice as well. One example, if the Masudu, it's already been half an hour. I know, when I speak, time flies, man. It's so much fun. I know, I know, it's hard. The War of Khandak, the War of Ahzab, it's called. Khandak means an actual trench. Before that war, you know, the, the very famous war of Imam Ali and Amr ibn Abdawad, there was a trench that was dug around the, uh, the, around, around the army of the, of, of the Muslims, you know, to kind of, you know, sway the army, uh, the, the enemy from coming closer to the thing. That was not the Prophet's idea. That was Salman al-Farsi's idea. He actually, with, with courage now, says, can I make a suggestion? The Prophet took that suggestion, asked advice, took that advice, and applied it. It turned out to be very, very beneficial. So my sisters and my brothers, when we talk about the stories of the Qur'an, we have to understand that there, are immense, there is an immense philosophy behind this. Part of it is the actualization of the potential of the human being through various reminders and glimpses into the lives of those before us. Just glimpses. So we can extract the victories and learn from the mistakes, or we can, we can have a sense of resistance and revolution inside of us, such that we feel like, you know what, I can conquer the Fir'aun inside of me, the Abu Sufyan inside of me, the Namrud inside of me. Right? If they can do it, I can do it as well. We ask you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to accept our qaleel efforts. Give us that tawfiq to really make this month of Ramadan the change that we need. We ask you, Allah, forgive our sins and those of our parents. And everything we do, we do to better ourselves for the arrival of the Imam. We ask you, Allah, to make us worthy of the arrival of the Imam and place us and our families beside him when he comes. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow night. Wassalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته.